Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. So welcome to Financially Ever After. We have every other week both wonderful experts from the area of divorce giving you sound advice, but also women just like you. Women who are going through divorce, women who have weathered divorce and come out the on the other end. Sometimes these women have just completed the divorce process. Other times it might be even a decade or two decades down the line. All of them share tips, information, and encouragement, giving you the support that you really deserve. And one of these women is actually Michelle Jacobic, who we have here on our podcast today. She is an expert in the area of money and finances. She's a certified divorce financial analyst, as well as a highly sought after budget coach. Her financial solutions and divorce support programs uh, have led numerous women, uh, really dozens and dozens and dozens of women around the country, helping them rebuild their financial life, their financial foundation, both before, during, as well as after divorce. Uh, a new author, in fact, I'm really excited about this. Um, I have the book, I've read it, Prosperity After Divorce for Women. Take charge of your finances and create the life you really deserve with a lifestyle rebrand design. Now, this hit number one on Amazon in its category, really within just day two, day two of its release, which is quite quite accomplishment. Um, also, Michelle is very busy writing and she's a contributing writer to Thrive Global as well as Divorce Force Magazine, which I know extremely well. So I'm really excited to have you here. And I, I just want to say thank you, Michelle. I know how busy you are. Thank you for joining our podcast and, and really sharing your story as well as your, your expertise with, with our listeners here today. I'm so excited to be here with you, Stacey. I love what you're doing and the fact that you're, you know, creating this sacred space for women to come along and get this information as they're walking through that before, during, and after. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had so much fun preparing for this this uh, interview today, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it if you're okay sure. with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know what a certified divorce financial analyst is, and, and for those of, of you listening haven't heard that, that term, it's someone who has done additional studying, additional work in the area of understanding the unique financial and tax implications of divorce and, and after divorce. But the thing I've never heard of before is, is a budget coach. So tell me a little bit about that. What is a you know, what is a budget coach? I feel like, you know, maybe I need one of those too. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because that is the reaction that I get from most people like, hmm, a budget coach, really tell me more. And, you know, I think it's so interesting is that the word budget seems to be as exciting to people as the word diet 
right? Mm. So they ask a little more. And, um, you know, it's certainly easier for me to lead with credentials like certified divorce financial analyst or talk about, you know, my 28 years in finance or, you know, my tax background, insurance background. But really what that word does, that word budget, is it really brings rise to what people, I see emotion when I introduce myself as a budget coach. And really what happens is most people dread the word budget, much like diet. You know, whether they're making $300,000 a year or $30,000 a year, they envision budgeting as something that actually creates deprivation. And they see the budget as something that sets limitations and restrictions on them when they want something. And for so many people, the word budget even represents struggle and scarcity. And mm -hmm. I think for me, I use it because I'm here to change that mindset and really suggest the opposite. You know, budgeting your dollars and your resources is actually empowering. It provides women the ability to make real choices. It gives them the confidence that they're actually telling their money where to go, not just letting it slip through their hands. Mm -hmm. And I find, like, as I get older, right, I'm most impressed by those people that I come across that seem to have it all together in this area of money. And when an unexpected expense pops up, it's just covered. When they need a purchase that seems random or spontaneous, it's not an emergency. It's just sort of handled without drama. And the difference is that with that group of people, expenses are actually planned for, and the purchases are not really that random. Mm -hmm. They didn't know it, but because they budget their money and their resources throughout the year, they're actually more prepared to make purchases, not just for things that they really want, but most importantly, especially when we talk about this transition of divorce, for the things that they really need. And it mm -hmm. gives them the opportunity to make real choices easy. I, I, love, I love what you say also about money because I've never thought of a budget in this way. I do, I do agree that if someone says budget, we often think diet, like diet, like, oh, really, like yeah. you're dying. Like, I mean, how, how negative can you be? I'm, I'm up there where there it's, it's not a four letter word uh, budget, but it, at least in my mind it, it is. Um, I love how you talk about how you have power over your money, not your money having power over you, not letting it slip through, uh, essentially letting it slip through your hands that you are telling your money where to go. Have you always had that, that outlook or is this something that that came out of some of your experiences how did how did you get into this area to really helping people with their finances and and budgets because for, for most of us it's not something that just came out of the air usually there's a aha moment yeah absolutely so my first aha moment was when I moved out of my house at 19 years old, right? And I, I didn't just move out, I leapt out. You know, there's many things that I do in life and I'm not one to just tiptoe through things. I usually am a pretty big leaper. And that was my first leap at 19. You know, I, I had finished um, my associate's degree and I was, you know, landed a job in financial services, working with a firm. And I thought, okay, I've got it all together. And I took that leap. And I had no plan. I had no budget. I had no emergency fund. I had a whole lot of adult confidence. And I woke up two years later, $15,000 plus in credit card debt. And for me, you know, it was, it was a clear reality. There was a lot of guilt and shame certainly with, that came with that. I had a huge false sense of security because with that decision to move out, not only was I given a lease and keys to an apartment, right, a townhouse, 
I also had, when I secured that job, I was given um, access to credit. I was given a car loan without a cosigner. And so there are all of these confirmations of my adulthood as mm -hmm. I made that first leap. And what I found was that, you know, having access to credit during that first couple of years over time, because, you know, now I had access to buy the new furniture, buy the gas grill, buy the water bed, take the vacation when I started getting stressed out and I realized that things weren't coming in, income wasn't as, as high as my bills, um, I had a huge reality check. And mm -hmm. so in my early 20s, I actually learned a very, uh, you know, hard knocks life lesson that I ended up having to work, you know, two and a half jobs you know, to a full-time job, um, you're doing taxes, I was selling life insurance, and my full-time job in the financial services office, and it took me two and a half years to get myself out of that hole. And wow. it, it was me going back to my grandmother's way of handling money, right, and figuring out that there were a couple of things, right? I realized that financial consistency led to financial stability, I had a false sense of what financial stability looked like. And when I went back and tried to figure out what the magic was, it really was going back to my grandmother's way of handling money. And what do I mean by financial cons consistency, right? It's being content with where you are. It's living within your means, planning for the future, and, and having some patience, which I didn't have, right? Mm -hmm. And back then, access to credit was really something new, and I took advantage of it, but it gave me a false sense of security. So mm -hmm. I got really clear. I reassessed, I rethought, I reprioritized, and I figured out how to plan my way into adulthood rather than just faking it. Mm -hmm. And I got, I got pretty strong in that area. And for me... Um, it allowed me, the ability to figure out that financial consistency led to financial stability allowed me to take bigger leaps at later times in my life. The next big leap that I took was buying the company that I worked for at the age of 29. That was a huge leap. I took on a business loan. I took on a payroll with 10 employees. And I had to rethink before I made that decision, I had to rethink again assess and reprioritize my personal life in order to make sure that that was going to be a successful move. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do that. But here's what happened, right? Up until 2009, things at that point were really rosy for me. I had come through, you know, 15 years of being a business owner. I was married. I had two amazing kids, partner in this very successful multi-million dollar sales organization. And in 2010, I got divorced. Life changed dramatically. My expenses were higher. The retirement and the savings that we had built for 23 years were split in half. And mm -hmm. again, I realized I had to rethink and reprioritize my life in order to regain my financial footing. And then I was faced in 2014, now playing the role of co-parent versus, you know, feeling like a single parent when you're co-parenting. I actually decided that the price that I was paying to be as successful as I was to run the company was really taking a toll on my ability to parent and be there for my kids. I was just missing way too much. Mm -hmm. And I made the decision to step away and retire from the business so I could be more available to them. Again, I, this is the theme of my life. I had to rethink and reprioritize and make some financial choices and changes and assess everything in order to make sure that I could make that change. So I feel like it's been 
this theme in my life, and I've, I've been very interested and passionate about how to muster through life's transitions. And through mm -hmm. my own experiences and by applying what I knew about money and finance and business, I figured out a process. And I've been able now to use that process and educate and work with thousands of women in this area of how to use financial consistency to create financial stability, helping them how to assess their goals, look at their lifestyle or their business design, and I now become the action step and that accountability partner that can help them free up the dollars to make sure that when they're working with you as an advisor, when you set that plan in place, that they're actually using a tool to help them get there, not just showing up for you know a quarterly meeting or a twice a year meeting to talk about their planning, but really something that's going to make it easy for them to implement and be successful. So something that you talk a lot about, Michelle, is rethinking, reprioritizing, essentially pivoting. And you talk a little bit about this when you were 19 um, and and left to, to be, you know, bless, I can't even imagine, I was so immature at 19, bless, that, that you were able to do that. Um, but then in 2010, when you got divorced, and then in 2014, when you realized that the number of hours and the, the toll your success took on your children was not, not worth it. And you were able to look at your situation and retool it and figure out what was important to you financially and what needed to stay and what, what didn't. Tell me a little bit more about the system because that's not something that's, that's necessarily easy to do. Um, and you've also talked a lot about you know, financial stability. Can you tell me a little bit more about how do you bring financial stability, particularly in times like you're talking about when you're having to pivot, you're, you're going through a divorce, you're post-divorce and you're having to pivot, but, and, and it feels like there's so much in your life that's not stable. How do you bring that stability to, to your finances? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing that I found was that during the divorce, right, we bring in, there's all of this stress and fear around the uncertainty about our future. And, you know, it's a huge struggle that I see during the divorce. It's that stress and fear and, and mainly coming from uncertainty. And I think that, you know, so many times women will find me by mistake, right? They'll, they'll hear from another practitioner or they'll come across an article and, you know, luckily for me, like, you know, I've got this, this sacred space that you create through your podcast so that there's more women hearing about what you and I do in terms of advocating and, and giving them the knowledge that they need so that they can start to pull back the curtains and think about lifestyle redesign, right? So the process that I use or created is lifestyle redesign planning. And as you know, Stacy, when we come through a major life transition, whether that's a job loss, a divorce, you know, losing a spouse or a child, there's some major things that happen. What I found for me is that I, I literally woke up nine months post-divorce and found that I felt like I was back in my 20s again. And I had the knowledge, right? I knew money. I knew how to handle you know, cash flow. But, but here's what I found. I was emotional. 
even though I had gone through the process of the divorce and, 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 and mustered through it and figured out, I, when, I, when the divorce was over, I didn't want to think about money anymore. I truly was done, done talking about it, done fighting about it, done sorting it out. And I think that what happens for us when we come off the courthouse steps, we almost give ourselves this free pass to put it on the back burner for a while and we step into, okay, that was exhausting. I'm just broken from it or I'm, I'm rising from it. In my case, I felt like, oh, it's a new life. I'm going to go start my new life. And what happened, because I had delayed that process of reassessing, I woke up nine months later and my bank account had $25,000 less in it because I was spending emotionally. If I didn't have my children on my weekend, I was filling that time by doing something because I didn't want to feel the loneliness. I didn't want to feel guilty for not having the children, you know, that the fact that the family had broken up. There were a lot of things that... When I went back nine months later and I saw this pattern and I started to do some audit, self-auditing of my spending, I could see the emotional spending. I could see where habits had come in, that it was just easier because of our schedules and now I'm trying to figure out how to manage things. My, my former husband was home with the children, so he was managing their schedules you know, always. And now when I had my nights, I had to manage those. And so that meant eating out more and on the fly and just sort of not paying attention, you know? And I think that what what the process of financial of lifestyle redesign does is it gets women to start not just necessarily in the financial pillar, which is super important in the work that you do, but it actually gets them to also look at where they are emotionally, right? So it's a combination of sort of like life coaching and financial coaching bridged together because it's super important to be able to eat finance. Take a look and do some self-auditing around where your spending is. Through the divorce, maybe after the divorce, if somebody finds me, you know, a year later, six months later, where's the emotional spending? Where's the habitual spending? What may need to change in terms of work and family? Some women have been out of the workforce for 15 years, raising their children, being the CEOs of their household, and they have to figure out when support, spousal support and maintenance or child support ends, even if it's only on one, on one child, how does that impact their next chapter? And so the process, really what I say to people is you've got to put the emotions aside and you've got to be willing to pull back the curtain and to start looking at what is it that you want. And I think the biggest thing for me is getting women first to identify what does prosperity after divorce look like for me. Initially, I came at it from a financial rebuild. I was dead set on figuring out how to rebuild financially. And they say, you know, you hear many times the statistics that it takes five years to rebuild. And so everything that I did, I would calculate by 4.9 years. Don't even ask me why. When I self-audited my spending in terms of stopping for morning coffee, eating out for lunch, dinners with the kids, and I multiplied my monthly number by 4.9 years, it was $68,000 and change. And the question that I was able to ask myself because of the process of thinking, what do I want, what is prosperity after divorce for me? I got to ask myself if that behavior or some of the things that I was doing were going to get me closer to my version of prosperity after divorce or further away.
And when I was assessing whether letting $68,000 slip through my hands at this next chapter was going to get me closer or further away to my goals of rebuilding the half of the 23 years of financial security that we built together, that I now had to rebuild, I had to be honest about the answer. And when I got honest with myself, it was easy for me to make changes, to set new goals in terms of how to generate income. You know, so many women have to come back into the workforce. They have unique gifts and talents. They have to actually search, you know, for what those are and how they can generate income beyond that period of settlement if they're in that position. You know, Michelle, what, your question? Yeah, so what I'm hearing, um, you know, really true, prosperity, prosperity is not just about the dollars. That for you and for, for everyone listening, it's about what is my life post-divorce? What is that prosperous life that I hope for? Mm-hmm. And yes, it is partially what's in your bank, your bank account, your investments account, so all of that. But it's also about designing the life you want to leave. It's it's a it's a new beginning. You know, it's a new beginning. And you know, you just think about, wow, you've been you've been given a chance to live your life now mm. on your own terms. On your own terms. And Definitely. there's no one else to to necessarily make decisions for you, access, you know, of course, you want to make decisions that are best for your family and, and things like that. But um, I would love to talk a little bit about, you know, getting into really understanding your spending, your budgeting, because a lot of women um, have a hard time staying on top of their their budget. What What tools might you give that make it a little bit easier so that it doesn't become a, a second time job to really yeah. track all of that spending. Yeah, so when I work with clients privately, you know, one of the things that I do, and especially when somebody's coming off the courthouse steps, is provide that layer of support where I actually will build their budget for them and then give them access. I love a virtual envelope system. So when I first started doing budget coaching, I was really a big fan of cash, right? Because we don't we don't feel money leaving our hands anymore when we're using a credit card or a debit card. Yeah. And even if the credit card's getting paid off at the end of the month and the and there's income to do that, we're still not feeling the process of that purchase and our children aren't learning it either, right? So there's also this space where you can use this transition and teach your children and your family these important lessons about life's transitions, whether it's a job loss or a divorce or anything that's going to hit, they hit a bump in their own road. So using some tools that will allow you to actually see the money leaving. So the first thing that I do is get women to understand that they have to name each dollar, right? So when, rather than just looking at the bills with due dates, a lot of times I'll say to people, you know, and you're familiar with this because you do CDFA work, they fill, you know, clients will fill out the financial affidavit and it's very black and white. And anybody that's, you know, going through this process or been through it says, oh yeah, I'm sure there's things that I left off. Well, many times when I review the financial affidavit, and I'm sure you find this as well, 
there's a lot that gets left off because Mm -hmm. most people are thinking about the bills with the due dates. So Mm -hmm. really the first thing is having a full view of your lifestyle. I call it lifestyle redesign planning. We bring it all in. We bring in the lawn care, the fertilization, the snow removal, the kids come home with, you know, invitations to the birthday parties and their backpacks. Those have to fall under gifts, not just thinking about Christmas and if you're if they're invited to a bar mitzvah, weddings. You've got to bring all of that into your spending. Those are budget items. And what happens are people aren't planning for auto repairs and home repairs. And they may fight for the marital home and then find out that, what they really want in prosperity isn't necessarily the home. They want some freedom to travel. And they may not have looked deeper on the financial side about what keeping that marital home would look like. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing is having a full, full view of your lifestyle redesign and being willing to sit down and figure out the all-in number. What does it look like each month? Mm-hmm. And I think for, for, for my clients, the two things that I find that make them most successful is rather than having just a monthly view of the budget, it's taking that a step further and looking at it from a linear perspective. So when I build a budget, I'm actually building outward six weeks. So a tool like Google, you know, using Excel, and instead of just looking at something on a pad and, you know, with pen and paper on a yellow pad and putting the income in and the money out, really having a six-week view, outward view, helps clients actually see where the money's coming in, where the bills are due, because you're dropping them in the week that they're due, so they're not late. And sometimes it's just a shift of the due dates. And having an understanding that everything's on automatic, but if it's all coming out the first through the 10th, you might find yourself feeling like you're struggling or running in place on the third week of the month. Mm -hmm. And so I think having the linear view is super important. And being able to see where there's dollars left over and then having a plan with somebody like yourself, at where are the dollars going to go, right? Are they going to be building a bigger emergency fund? Are they being used to pay down debt? Um, are they going to be used to fund retirement and build wealth? You've got to know what's left over. And by doing a budget linear, you can see where those extra dollars fall and then have a plan for how to structure them. Mm-hmm. To me, the secret sauce in what I do is the virtual envelope system. It's giving people an opportunity to prename dollars into those categories that don't have due dates, like their auto repairs, their vacations, their gifts, you know, mm-hmm. home maintenance, and taking a little bit each week. Again, this is that my grandmother's way of, of handling money, right? They would put money away each week, and then when they had X number of dollars in, they would they would know that they had you know, met their goal of the vacation travel, but you could, there's this empowering thing that happens when you could physically see in an application dollars rising and that you are, you're in control of telling them which envelope to go into. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, when, when women come to me and they don't have a process or anything easy to work with, that's probably the thing that jazzes them up the most is that they can walk around and as simple as they would hit their Twitter bird on their phone or their text messaging um, application on their phone, they can hit the app and it's all built for them. You know, if, if I'm walking alongside of them, if they want to DIY it, the app that I love is Good Budget. Um, if there's a free version, if you have up to 10 envelopes and the premium version, you can have unlimited envelopes for $50 a year. 
So That's it great. gives some processing to what they're doing, but most importantly, a visual to where those dollars are. There's a couple of the resources I want to make sure that our, our listeners have. Envelopes, um, it's M-V-E-L-O-P-E-S, um, actually got the number two best software for 2017. Envelopes, so M-V-E-L-O-P-E-S. Um, another one, Quicken. Um, Quicken is great, especially Love if you Quicken. want to get down to the nitty gritty and, and being able to uh, see down to the petty where everything's going. Um, it's really nice. Syncs with your bank, with your credit card, credit card accounts. Um, so that's really nice. That, that is that is paid. If you're looking for something that is free, Mint.com is a very well-known app. It uses a lot of uh, similar features with Quicken. Um, and it also will help you track your budget. So you can set up a budget and then it will send you emails if you're coming in um, in close to actually using the total amount of your budget, which is great. Yeah. So you can you know override also the entries they give you or use the the great the categories they give you. Um, and you can make them, you know you can make them exactly what uh, you want them to be. So, a lot of great resources for you. Um, and, you know, what I do, my my way of working uh, using these tools, and, and I do use quite a few tools, but ultimately I find that one of the best ways to get ahead is to figure out what is that savings goal. And for me, I want to be saving 20% of my income. Yes, and when I first started down this path, it was extremely, extremely overwhelming. And what I did is every year that I would receive a raise, I would give my savings a raise to the point where now uh, we're able to save 20% of our income every single year. And what we do then is we make sure that that goal is, is met and then we spend the rest. Yeah. And for some women, I think that's important as well. Of course, you have to be conscious. Of course, you need to know where your money's going. But for many of us, understanding and tracking down to the penny on a daily basis is a great idea. But just like, you know, what you see on TV doesn't happen in real life. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing with that too. So I've found that as a really powerful way of, again, make sure that you're supposed to be saving into all the different categories, whether it's your emergency fund, paying down your credit card debt, putting towards retirement or putting towards your children's education, that you reach those goals. Um, and then understand where your money's going. But just like a diet of, you know, I'm never going to have chocolate for the rest of my life is not sustainable. It's the same thing, I think, with I'm going to track every single penny. Absolutely true. And I think that that's why the virtual envelope system is such a, an important tool for women because it's not a scarcity thing. It's this empowerment tool that says, wow, you know, I'm actually, one, I've learned. I've learned about it. I've chosen a tool that works for me and I've made it simplified. And I actually can see where my wealth is going, right? Where are my dollars going? And I think, you know, Stacey, you're right on. If people aren't thinking about, you know, especially as they come through the transition of divorce, right? We're coming through with less. And saving has to be, has to be at the top of where people are. 
Because if you just avoid it and you really don't plan, you see this, right? I mean, you wake, women wake up and they have so much less. Look what could have happened to me if I kept going with the pattern that I was in in that first nine months, mm-hmm. you know? Or if I had decided to step away from the business without a plan, without a nest egg. And I think that, you know, what my biggest thing is having women not be a statistic, right? Not come through the process of this, this transition of divorce and become a statistic, Mm-hmm. That because they didn't pay attention and they didn't pull back the curtains and figure out what lifestyle do they want, how do how are they going to maintain it, and how are they going to make sure that when they hit retirement age that they're that they've got the means to be able to live the way that they want to live. Super, we, super important. Something that I I I see far too often are women who come to us three, four, five, ten, um, you know, in some cases 15 years after divorce. And the amount of money that has slipped through their hands of, mm-hmm. uh, of child support and, and alimony is in the, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands, sometimes even the millions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot to show for it. And so I'm going to say something controversial, but I think it's the right thing, is that if you're not saving money post-divorce during those years, when you're receiving the child support, when you're receiving the alimony, if you're not saving on that income, knowing full well that it's that income is going to go away, that you're really setting yourself up for failure long term. What are your thoughts about that? Totally agree. Lack of preparedness is what I find, right? So when I, t- when I talk about my mission being meeting as many women as I can when they leave the courtroom steps, it's because of that. Yeah. Because here's what happens, right? The divorce team sends the final billing. They still need support beyond this area to rebuild and the confusion and the stress. I have a support group on Facebook with over 2,300 women in it. And when surveyed, much like when you did your survey, Unveiling the Unspoken Truth, it's lack of financial education around investments and saving that 75% of the women answered they needed help with, but mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily asking for help. And this is what gave rise to me writing the book and doing this work. Having women show up three, five, 10 years, 15 years post-divorce, wishing that they had done something different is really hard to swallow. It's really hard to swallow. So the solution really is not avoiding the work, getting yeah. yourself educated around healthy money handling, working with an advisor and understanding, you know, like, like your planning is so deep. It's a deep dive into here's what the money looks like. Here's your lifestyle. Where are we going? And how many years do we have access to these, you know, this opportunity? I call it opportunity dollars because it's an opportunity for you to save, as you said, and figure out in that time frame what's next for you. Mm-hmm. And doing nothing certainly does not lead anyone to their version of prosperity. Being willing to do the assessment of life through today's lens is super important. And doing that actually allows women to get the chance to create the next chapter and the life that they really desire and one that they can be proud of. Because you're certainly not proud of where you are you know, 15 years post-divorce if you didn't do the planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and getting help in the area, you know, the emotional space is super important. I'm sure that, you know, you see this as well. 
And it's why when I, t- when I wrote the book, you know, The Prosperity After Divorce, there are six pillars. There's a pillar on spirituality because if you're coming into the next chapter with resentment and, and the inability to forgive, you're not going to move forward. You can have all of your ducks in a row financially, but if you are bringing into this next chapter, you know, the inability to forgive or, or you're carrying resentments, it's a poison. And it's the same thing with uncovering work and family and figuring out, you know, what that needs to look like for you and the emotional piece, right? If there's been a v- abuse, whether it's indiscretions, abuse, whatever, that all has to be dealt with uh-huh. and it can't be left out, right? So I'm a huge advocate for not just getting women to look at the money, but also making sure that they're looking at all of the things that are not going to be the blockers to their prosperity, but lift them away and work on them so that they can actually claim their prosperity. This is really powerful. And, and we're, we're coming to a close. So I, I want to give the women the tools to do the work because I know for me, if, if someone tells me what to do, um, I'll go do it. Me, <laughs> but just, me as well. Mm-hmm. But just go tell me what to do. Okay. Yes. And, and, and that, that's why I love having a business coach. That's why I love, uh, you know, going to my, my boot camp that I go to um, at 5.30 in the morning. Um, tell me what to do. Bless. I'll do it. So if you could share a little bit about um, how women can find out a little bit more about your book, I think that would be great. I know we've shared a lot of uh, great budgeting softwares and also some, some different tools. So we'll make sure everybody listening that um, those are in the show notes as well as uh, links to those different resources for you. Um, but can you Tell, um, tell these women how they, they can find out a little bit more about your book because what you're talking about, I mean, the tools and the resources are easy to get a handle on, but the emotional aspect of and stumbling blocks that might be holding women back, that's, that's a bigger conversation. Yeah. And it's uh, often a little bit harder for us to to really grasp. And that's where I know you've, in your pillars, focused on that. So Amazon, right? Amazon is, yeah, is one yeah. of the best so resources. It's pa- yep, it's in paperback and Kindle. I always recommend paperback because like you, I'm a learner. So the book is really written to be a an action, right? When I want to learn something, like you said, I have a coach, I have community around me. And the book is designed that at the end of each chapter, you're taking action steps because that's how we learn and move ourselves forward. So the paperback gives you the ability to highlight and write in the margins and fill in the worksheets. Um, And so it can be found on Amazon in either version. And they also um, can learn more about my one-on-one programs and services by visiting my website at michellejacobic.com. And you know what, Stacey, I would love to invite any of your listeners who might be tuned in an opportunity to have a conversation about what they're struggling with. You know, sometimes it's that 15 minute, 20 minute conversation where we can talk about some of the biggest pain points that they might be having around creating or working with a budget and giving them the space to have some conversation around what extra support might do for them. And if that's really what they need to get them to move past where they are and into that next chapter. So if they're interested in doing that, they can schedule a time to chat by visiting my website again at michellejacobic.com. Right. And I'll be sure to um, make sure in the show notes for everybody listening, we will put that website there as well. So thank you so much for Michelle for for being here, for sharing your insight, sharing your resources and um, just, you know, thank you for, for doing all the work that you do. It's really important. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here today.
Well, thank you for all of our listeners for Financially Ever After. Just another fantastic week listening to important experts, uh, listening and hearing uh, personal advice from women who have walked in, in your shoes and are living the life that they really dreamed of, that they designed, that they wanted for themselves post-divorce. You all deserve that. We all deserve that. And so I'm really happy that you've made the investment to listen to Financially Ever After. So please do tune in, share with your friends, people that you care about. And if you have any questions about your own Financially Ever After, please do reach out to us at francisfinancial.com. We create a wonderful second opinion where we can look at your finances from A to Z, look at each account, every holding, do an x-ray analysis to understand, do you have the right investments? Are you saving enough? What might be the things you can do to put yourself on the fast track to that life that you want, to that security? to that stability. So please do again, reach out francisfinancial.com. And most importantly, most importantly, keep investing in yourself. The most important investment, it is actually interestingly enough, it is not your dollars invested. It's investing in your knowledge. It's investing in your ability to make smart decisions with 